When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. It is Monday, November 24th. Week 10 is almost wrapped up. Minus one game here on Monday night, which we will cover here in a second as we also continue to address the upcoming waiver wire week. But joining me, Tommy Garrett here at PFN Fantasy Analyst here, is Ian Warden, Fantasy and Betting, and betting Analyst at at uh, NFL Film Studio on Twitter, and also at Jason Katz, fellow Fantasy Analyst here at Pro Football Network. You can find him over on Twitter at Jason Katz13 with the rest of us uh, fake blue check mark because, yeah, I paid my $8, but I wasn't losing my, my bookmark folder. I'm not losing how I can edit features like I need that for how bad my spelling is. Uh, but, gentlemen, we had an interesting weekend uh, again this one. I think we saw some some surprising performance, including maybe one of the best catches ever, like move aside OBJ. Uh, we'll probably touch on that here in a little bit here. But, Ian, uh, how was your real man? How'd you do in your betting? How'd fantasy go for you? Yeah, it was a good betting weekend. Five and three against the spread. Hit some really good props. Fantasy-wise, not good. It's ugly. I'm down, I think, about 55 points to you entering Monday Night Football, and all I have is Jalen Hurts. So I am desperate for just one of those godly games from Hurts. I, you know, I talked a lot of smack after week one when I beat you. Now I'm already starting to regret that. I wasn't so, even bringing this up for this moment. I, re- just, I seriously wasn't. I got to brace it. I'm, I'm just bracing for it. I'm ready for it. So, you know, it, good week, but... I'm a little bit let down because I really wanted to come on today and just be like Zeke, just just eating nonstop, just feasting on that ass. I mean, if if there's anyone who I think it could put you up 51 points, not named Josh Allen, I mean, Jalen Hurts might be the guy, and we'll see what he can do against the Washington Commanders. But Cats, how was your uh, how was your weekend too, my man? Yeah, it was uh, another one of those weeks where it's just a sea of red in in the fantasy world. I know we've talked about this for the past couple of weeks. We were hoping we got some more offense this week. Um, we got a little more, but overall, if you look at the landscape of fantasy, scoring is once again down as always. Perhaps maybe these sites should adjust their projections downward a little bit so we at least just see the green. You know what? Project everything lower so the, so the scores show up green and we all feel better about ourselves. I don't think that's too much to ask. See, now you're you're starting to get towards my logic, which is don't ever set any expectations, and therefore you can never be disappointed. If you just always expect the worst, it's always going to turn out better. And Look, I mean, fancy projections, like fancy weekly projections, is the reason people have trust issues when they're dating, because they can't trust the word what anyone says. And I, I still continue to say that. And it's, yeah, it's just been one of those years where it's probably been one of the most difficult years to play fancy football. I think we said the same thing back in 2020 due to COVID. This is just a totally different scenario. And I know a lot of people 
have not been having fun. And if it's your first year out there playing, you are, uh, you are checking us out. Don't worry. Hopefully things do get better uh, in 2023. But before we get to that point, let's go ahead and address week 11 and the waiver wire. Uh, as we've had a up and down waiver wire so far this year, we've had some weeks that are fantastic. Like we saw a couple weeks ago where, you know, uh, Kenneth Walker was the big name, obviously of the week. Then we had a couple down ones. I think this one, it's not so much just a ton of top tier names, but I think several guys who could be helping people out off their waiver wire here coming up as the playoffs draw ever so closer. I think the first one here looking at this one, cats is Rashad white. And he kind of took over that number one role for the 10 Bay Buccaneers, especially feeling an after, Learn Fournette suffered a hip injury. We did see Adam Sheffield report earlier today that they do expect Fournette should be good to go coming out of their bye. So when the uh, the Buccaneers get back on the field for week 11, does that change how you would attack someone like um, Rashad White, who could easily be maybe the number one waiver wire candidate? Is it, Does that change how, how aggressive you might be, especially also affecting the, the part where you would have to hold on to him through their bye week it would only impact me if my record was such where i really really needed a win this week and i couldn't afford Mm. to put someone on my roster that is not going to help me in week 11 obviously rashad white not going to do anything with fantasy managers in week 11 but if i have room for him or if i'm pretty confidently making the playoffs the report on fournette actually does not impact how aggressively i would go after rashad white i really do believe that he remains worth every dollar of fab you have left we already saw a shift toward Rashad White in the recent weeks with this snap just steadily increasing. And then this past week, there was no reason that the Bucs couldn't just put Fournette out there for the first snap, just like the Bengals did back by five years ago when it was Jeremy Hill every week and then he played like 20 snaps the rest of the game. They could just do that and give Fournette the veteran deference, but they didn't. They chose to start Rashad White. And to me, that's a message saying that It's only a matter of time before Rashad White is our guy. Now, obviously, he was the guy on Sunday against the Seahawks because Fournette ended up getting hurt in the second half. But I think we may see this the the timeshare flip a bit in White's favor. Maybe it's like 55-45 in favor of White. I mean, he just rushed for 105 yards on 22 carries. He looks fantastic doing it. Now, Fournette did look all right in, in his own way when he was on the field. But White's upside is league winner. And we've seen Fournette do this year after year last season he was the league winner and then what happened week like 13 14 strangest hamstring misses the rest of the season now Fournette, we're in week uh coming up on week 11 a lot of wear and tear over the course of a season he's banged up yeah it's a hip injury but i mean you take a lot of hits in the nfl you fall down fall down and hit that wrong way he could be out again you got to get white because if Fournette does get hurt again even if he plays in week 12 white's a white's a league winner we saw this last year where Leonard Fournette got hurt down the stretch and everyone was running to the waiver wire to grab the backup. We'll see that happens with uh, Rashad White. I do I do agree with you. I think he's probably got a role just moving forward in general. That was the way it was trending. Um, he did get the start on the opening drive and then they flipped it to Leonard Fournette on the, on the second drive and they kind of just rotated back and forth, but he was always in there and then he just kind of pretty much just dominated uh, playing on over 80% of the snaps. Um, I think what was surprising for you, he didn't get a target only Keyshawn Vaughn and Leonard Fournette received a target, but don't fret in case you're wondering about his PPR upside. He was really good at catching the ball out of Arizona State, so I'm not entirely worried about this in his profile. If they want to throw the ball to him, the skill set is absolutely there to where he can become a PPR asset. Um, also, only Ross about 44% of leagues at the moment, so good idea to go out there and take a look at him. I think one backfield with 
a little less clarity is what's going on in Kansas City as they continue to kind of work between Isaiah Pacheco, Claude Edwards-Alaire, and also Jarek McKinnon. Um, at this point, I think the only player I would want on this roster is going to be Isaiah Pacheco. Kind of played the lead back role and dominated the early downs, playing on 32 of the snaps compared to just 13 combined for McKinnon with 10 and Claude Edwards-Alaire with three on those early plays. Uh, the downside is fantasy managers probably didn't feel that in their scores this week as Pacheco rushed for just 82 yards on 16 carries. It's just that he scored only 6.1. Um, I'm sorry, only scored uh, 6.2 PPR points because he lost a fumble. And when you also don't get any touches through the passing game, you don't end up having as good of a day as possible. Um, at this point, like I said, Pacheco would be the only one that I would want. I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is probably droppable, honestly. And if you want to try to make a move for one of these bigger name guys, go for it. Um, I don't mind McKinnon, but it's he's a low ceiling play with also a really low floor. You're just banking on a receiving touchdown for him. He's getting a ton of work out of the backfield. It's kind of just a messy three-headed committee, unfortunately. Um, but I do give the lean to Isaiah Pacheco. And that's someone who I think if you're if you need a running back, someone who I would kind of take a look at. I think if you need a wide receiver, Ian, I think the, everyone is looking at right now is Christian Watson, who had his welcome to the NFL moment uh, with Robbie Dobbs sidelines and the Packers offense needing to turn a corner. I know stylistically and schematically, we did see a few changes on how they were using Christian Watson. So do you think this is a performance that can kind of move him down line and become that number one who the Green Bay Packers drafted him to be? Is he finally ready and are they finally ready to use him in that same kind of role now? Well, I mean, the opportunity's there, and I think that's as much as what we can ask for. Um, I really liked how they were able to get him into space a little bit more, get him into crossers, actually show off his athleticism more than just deep routes. Like, you can't do that. He's not that type of receiver who's going to be high volume, high efficiency type of guy, unless if you put him in those situations. Like, you basically have to hand the ball to him in space. Like, that's just going to be his recipe until he can be a little bit more reliable as a, a catcher about pass catcher i thought this was a good turning point right like this is out of necessity eight targets four receptions both uh season highs for him obviously 107 yards three touchdowns i mean fantastic performance 85 percent of his he played 85 percent of the snaps had a 42 percent target share uh that was his highest target share in a game uh, entering this week or entering the season obviously but 12 percent was his previous high for a target share entering this game so i don't know that we can obviously rely on that moving forward mm-hmm. like is this indicative? Probably not. But at the same point, there's probably a middle ground there to say, okay, maybe this offense actually figured it out a little bit. And moving forward, obviously with Dobbs' injury, they're going to have to rely on Watson. They're going to have to change how they're running this offense. So if I'm a fantasy manager, I obviously I have a couple teams where I need wide receiver help. I'm putting in a claim for Watson, absolutely, because he just gave us a ceiling that no one else on the market can match. Like I'd mm-hmm. be much more excited about Watson than I would be against, you know, Odell Beckham, for example, like who knows if he's even going to play this year. And I've seen a lot. I've seen Odell be much more of a priority because of the name recognition, whereas we need to get guys who can actually be in a system and play tomorrow. And he's definitely that guy. I think part of it, too, with Odell Beckham Jr. is NFL teams are looking towards the playoffs and they're looking to need an asset that can help push them over the edge while they're trying to chase a title. I don't think they're necessarily worried about what happens between now and week 18. And so when I think we see these teams that are really vying to try to make a move on Odell Beckham Jr., we kind of see the teams that are rumored right now in speculation. I'm not as I'm not as hopeful for his fantasy impact. I think it's more so just what he can do 
when he finally gets on a roster. More than likely, he'll be like a DFS play when the playoffs do finally come around rather than impacting your redraft lineups outside of someone like a Christian Watson, which I do agree. I think he can absolutely impact your team. And if he becomes his number one, then my God, hopefully they figured something out. And look, rookies, they all take different times to to get, to evolve and try to get ready. Chris Olave came out ready to go out of the gates, but we haven't seen that out of a ton of other rookies in this class. Maybe now is uh, is Christian Watson's time. And it just took a little bit of time also to figure out how to use him. We had an offense built around the arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL, Devontae Adams. How do we now try to get the ball in their hands in a different way? And I think right now we're kind of seeing the the Green Bay Packers and LaFleur trying to hopefully figure this out, and that can lead to success down the line for another uh, top-tier rookie in this class. I think someone who we're all kind of hoping could have a good year was Paris Campbell with the Indianapolis Colts Cats. And I think, did Matt Ryan's return unlock Paris Campbell for you? I'm going to try and get through this without saying anything too negative. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to say a lot of negative things about Sam Ellinger. Uh, Sam <laughs> Ellinger has absolutely no business being like starting an NFL game. And I, it was abundantly clear after one start. And Jeff Saturday, uh, I give the man credit because he knows that he needs to showcase his abilities as a coach and he needs to win games. And to do that, you can see gradually throughout the week that the gears turning in his head as he started with saying Ellinger is going to start. And then he's like, well, we're going to give Matt Ryan some first team reps. Well, you know, we might go back to Matt Ryan. It's an open competition. And then sure enough, we get those reports Saturday, then Sunday morning. Matt Ryan might actually start. And sure enough, he did. And he unlocked Paris Campbell once again. Uh, Campbell ended up playing. Well, he did only play on on 79% of the snaps, which is a bit of a downgrade from what he's been doing. Because Ashton Doolin returned. But Campbell yes. ended up running 27 routes, which is only three fewer than Michael Pittman. They both saw uh, nine targets, and Campbell, I mean, he has just been crushing it with Matt Ryan. In his last three starts with Ryan, he has gone 7 for 57 and 1, 10 for 70 and 1, 7 for 76 and 1. He is averaging double-digit targets in those three games. He is just a PPR monster. I mean, he's startable in any league, at, at any format at this point. Paris Campbell, back on the menu with Matt Ryan under center. If you need a wide receiver this week or just in general, I think he's worth a, a decent 10 to 15 percent fab bid yeah and i think he's probably moving in a better trajectory than alec pierce is at the moment because we kind of saw uh pierce kind of losing some of his role to to paris campbell those final couple weeks before they made the change over to sam ellinger um i think right now look paris campbell look talent was never in question it was just staying healthy and it was always these stupid freak injuries that happened with him it wasn't like someone who was continuously like you know hurting their hamstring you know or something like that it was just just dumb injuries uh, so I'm just glad we're finally seeing Paris Campbell putting together a decent year. Someone else who is starting to put together a decent year, or at least people hope is the the start of a decent year, is Kadarius Tony, who really capitalized on, well, just an awful situation. I'm so sick of watching players hitting the head and just sitting unconscious on the ground. Or I should, I should say just unconscious, just not moving on the ground. I, I It's the worst part in sports, our injuries. I hate it every single time. I will never be okay with it, but it's just the unfortunate factor of this game. Uh, as we saw Judas Mishuser leave after taking a brutal, brutal shot to the head, but Kadarius Tony ends up being a potential big benefactor of this, catching four of five targets for 57 yards and a touchdown on the day. He wasn't the only one who found the scoring column. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scanling of the Chiefs also found the end zone on 60 yards as Valdez-Scanling following the injury came in and became the primary slot receiver, which is kind of what we heard uh, 
rumored during the offseason about we were kind of moving him inside. Seemed odd. Doesn't really fit his profile, but it's Kansas City. You got Patrick Mahomes. Do whatever you want to, boss. Like, you do you, boo-boo. Uh, but Kadarius Tony, I think there's a chance where we're looking at he's the biggest upside play on this offense. Um, unfortunately, he's probably already rostered in most leagues, too, after the the waiver wire run that we had a couple weeks ago. But I think he's probably one that's going to step up the most. We also had Mikael Hartman, who was out with, with an abdominal injury. Um, we'll see how long Juju is is out. Obviously, it puts his his availability massively up in the air, so I'm never going to sit here and speculate on when someone's going to try to clear con- concussion protocol, especially not in 2022. Like, not not anymore. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but I think Kadarius Tony, if he's out there, top, one of the top waiver wire plays of the week out there and just under 50% of leagues. But given what's going on with Juju and the the upside that he brings, I think he's absolutely worth taking a look at. I think someone who's also who had definitely had a ton of upside last week and someone who I was was kind of high on was Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, for the, the Cleveland Browns, was trending in the right direction in his previous three games. Uh, finishing as the WR, I believe it was 33, 34, and 34 in his pre free in his three previous games. Wow. Try saying that four times fast. <laughs> I can't even do it once. Uh, but he, and he ends up coming out there and having a good game. Uh, the Cleveland Browns will be getting Deshaun Watson back, who, as we saw earlier today, uh, was cleared to resume practice. So get ready. Uh, for when the Browns hit the practice field on Tuesday or Wednesday to uh, see a ton of him on your screen. But do you think this could be a sign of things moving forward for uh, Donald Peoples-Jones? He's got a ton of speed. He's got the metrics. He's got the measurables. He just hasn't had as great of an opportunity. So I think I think this is someone who could be rising in the right direction, especially with uh, the pending return of Deshaun Watson to the Browns. Yeah, we're really just waiting for some touchdown regression for him. Take out the three uh, yeah. first three weeks of the season – and he's been really, really solid in an offense that is not giving him many opportunities. Uh, had nine targets again this week, which is uh, third time this season he's had nine or more. But most importantly, five out of his last six games, he's had at least 71 yards. Had a season-high 99 yards this week. Um, had 27% target share. He's seen at least 20% of the target share in five of his last six games. It's just the touch. We're waiting on that pesky touchdown. And mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like that Chris Godwin. I was talking about him in an article last week where it's like, you know, it's going to happen. It's just when it's going to happen. Well, that finally broke last this past week for uh, for Godwin. I think it could be coming for DPJ. Obviously, with Jacoby Brissett in for two more weeks, it, you know, we kind of got to ride through a little bit of a lower upside. But I think it was we're getting towards the playoff times. This is definitely a guy I want on my roster because he's a bigger part of the offense. He's really coming into his own. Even at Michigan, he was always that guy who you were super intrigued on. You were just kind of waiting for everything to come together, and he just didn't have the consistent quarterback play. Sometimes it was his own uh, situation. But Cleveland's really just been an extension of his Michigan career. We are waiting on the offense to open up a little bit and give him better opportunities. I really think it is coming. I think he's going to be a really good fit for Deshaun Watson in a couple weeks. Talk about an X factor to slide into your lineup, though, as playoffs come. I think this is a little bit of an unlikely guy who could end up really swinging a matchup. I still really like him, though. If we look at him since week uh, since week four, which I'm glad you kind of brought this one up because I, I had time to kind of look this one up too. Sitting as the uh, wide receiver 31 um, on the on the uh, since that time frame, averaging 11.8 PPR points. But you mentioned the touchdowns kind of be what's holding him back. He's 10th in uh, in yards right now at 446 since week four. Like he's going to bring you that that upside play with the verticality, bringing someone like Deshaun Watson, who we know has been able to do that. Go back to his time with like someone like Will Fuller, 
who was able to kind of push the ball down the field with. Um, perhaps Donovan Peoples-Jones could kind of become that that field stretcher with Amari Cooper as your route runner. You've got David Njoku when he's back and the, uh, as the mismatch. Cleveland Browns, you're, you're looking in good shape, assuming Deshaun Watson hits the ground running. Uh, speaking of his former team, uh, Nico Collins ends up having a, a decent, a decent outing. And it's one where we were hoping it's like, okay, when is someone finally going to show up on this team? Especially with Brandon Cooks clearly disgruntled about his current situation. But Nico Collins actually goes out and leads the team, sees double-digit targets, sees 10 of them against the New York Giants in the 24-16 loss, recording five receptions for 49 yards and a touchdown. It's the touchdown that's going to save him. This is just not a high-powered offense. You're going to have a hard time getting consistent red zone looks on this team. And if they're in close, they're just going to hand the ball to Damian Pierce because they know that he's just a wrecking ball between the tackles. Brandon Cooks, I think, is still going to be that, that number one option on this team. And it remains to be seen yet whether or not they can support two fantasy-relevant players. I think Nico Collins is someone I, I love as a under-the-radar player. Like We're kind of going back-to-back on, on these Michigan guys. But it's just someone who we just haven't seen perform up to what we saw when he was at the school. And I think part of it's just the just the situation. Texans are still trying to figure out who they are. And Davis Mills is doing okay. But, I mean, in a day where Davis Mills throws for nearly 320 yards, when you walk out with just 50, eh, that's not, that doesn't make you feel good, especially when you saw Jordan Akins and Chris Moore both cross 70 yards. So I think, I think Nico Collins is an interesting move. It's just not one that's going to bring a ton of upside. I think if you want some upside, though, perhaps, Cats, you can answer me on this one with Zay Jones, who's kind of acting as that number one for Trevor Lawrence, who I think had a had a little bit of a bounce back this week, going uh, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and nearly 260 yards in a, an unfortunate loss, but one that was obviously, I think, expected against the Kansas City Chiefs, losing by 10 points, 27-17. Jones did sit second behind uh, Christian Kirk in targets, but do you think this is like a sign of, hey, this could become a more stable role as he's kind of like tried moving past uh, Marvin Jones Jr. to become that number two on this offense. I think Jay Jones is definitely the number two at this point behind Christian Kirk. Uh, calling it stable, I think that's both fair and and maybe unfair because like his role is stable. There's been consistent production. It just hasn't necessarily been that great. Jay Jones is more of a guy you take like, okay, I need someone that I know I can start and he's not going to get me zero. And that's been Zay Jones. The upside, he did have 24.5 PPR fantasy points back in week three when he scored a touchdown. Otherwise, though, only three other games in double digits. But he has another one at nine, another one at 9.2. There are useful performances here. And we've got bye weeks coming up. we got guys that are injured. We, we have deeper leagues and uh, fantasy managers who need to plug holes in their lineup. You can certainly do worse than Zay Jones. The only thing I'd say about him is, well, he's not going to help you in week 11 with the Jaguars on bye. So uh, he's... Worth putting on your roster if you can afford to keep him there because he's someone you can start. But I wouldn't go out of my way to get him necessarily if you are if if you need someone for this week. Yeah, he wouldn't be my first option, but I think he's definitely someone to consider. It really just comes down to, to league size and bench depth and, like I said, what you need. Uh, there are a couple other names I do kind of want to hit on here too that they typically are coming in a little bit above our threshold. Uh, I think for one, obviously, we have to talk about, look, Deshaun Watson, if he's out there, you probably need to go and grab him. Um, I'm not entirely sure where you want to instantly start him, but I think his upside is probably going to be better than any of the QBs you were likely streaming if you went late round QB. So I think Deshaun Watson, definitely someone worth taking a look at. And if you need a tight end also, you know, someone like Foster Moreau, who did find the end zone this week, ends the day with 13.3 PPR points as he fills, it fills in for 
Darren Waller. Uh, I think he actually ended up having a pretty decent week. A couple of names to take a look at. Jimmy Garoppolo, if you need a quarterback, had another solid outing here uh, on, uh, what was that, Sunday Night Football. Wow, cannot remember what day it is. Uh, Jeff Wilson certainly is the lead back out there in Miami. Roster nearly 80% of the league, so he's probably not going to help out a ton of you, but if he's out there, you're grabbing a RB2 for the rest of the scene. Kenya Drake, Elijah Mitchell also is another name, came in and actually had a surprisingly good night and surprisingly active night. Uh, I think many would say rushing 18 times for 89 yards, and it's continued to show that Shanahan has zero qualms about giving Elijah Mitchell a big workload. The same thing he did last year, but it was also what kind of ended his season a little bit prematurely. Rondell Moore, Curtis Samuel, Garrett Wilson, George Pickens at wide receivers, ton of upside, uh, but all guys are out there in less than 40% of leagues and sitting there at tight end. David Ajoku, we're waiting on him to make his return. Greg Dolchich had a bit of a disappointing game, but still has been sensational in three of his four. And then finally, Cole Komet, who's starting to find the end zone, um, much to to my delight and to a lot of other people that banked on Cole Komet being the, the breakout tight end of the year. But before we move on any further, I want to ask you guys if you want to win a free $200 bet this NFL season. Well, as a new user over on DraftKings Sportsbook, you can bet $5 and win a free $200 bet. To find out more, head over to ProFootballNetwork.com to claim this latest betting promo and check out our other promos that we have on the site. And I'm going to kind of give you the a little bit of a lead here. Um, had a decent week, I think you did. Um, and I think we've got a little more action here tonight as the Washington Commanders take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I think it's one that's we don't necessarily love from a ton of betting different angles. I think they did they did this right. And I, I don't say that as in this is going to be a bad game. We've had bad primetime games. I don't think this is going to be the case uh, in the sitting here in the NFC East. It's just they did a good job and put these in some some positions to make us have to make some uncomfortable decisions more than anything else. Yeah, they really did. Ten and a half points is where the spread is. It opened at 10. It hasn't moved that much. You would think that it would have, especially Washington backup quarterback, Taylor Heineke. I, I was kind of surprised that they hit this one on the on the head. You know, I don't want to touch that spread. I, I just really don't. I looked at the trends for both teams. It's really nice that the Eagles are five and three against the spread. The, the Washington is four, four and one. These are kind of predictably decent teams against the spread, but nothing is screaming at you to just say, hey, you got to take the Eagles here. I, looking at that Washington defense, they've really given that offense a chance to stay close throughout the season. They've hit the under in six of their last seven games. They haven't allowed more than 21 points since October 2nd, so they're playing well despite being a little bit undermanned. I'm looking at that under at 43 and a half, and I got to play the under here. Uh, to me, that's the only thing that's that's screaming at me. My gut sort of said to take the Eagles plus the points, but the more I dug into it, the more I said, I think this is just going to be a bit of an uh, – a good game, but an ugly game in terms of scoring where both teams both just try to grind the ball a little bit. You're not going to see a whole lot of flashy things. You're going to get a couple of those attempts. Maybe they hit, right? Like maybe you're taking the long shot for Quez Watkins. They hit a deep ball or maybe Terry McLaurin just goes absolutely berserk against uh, a little bit of slower cornerback room for Philadelphia. But barring anything like that, I just think this is going to be one of those really classic NFC East type of battles. Yeah, I think I think that makes a ton of sense. And it's it's either going to be one of those really tight classic games like you're talking about just because the Eagles force you to run the ball. And that's their one little bit of a weakness, but it's because they're just more that a run funnel than anything else. No one wants to to test Slay and Bradbury and for good reason. 
So you just end up bringing up the middle. And I think Washington's there. They're comfortable doing it. You've got two decent running backs and Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson. who have also been playing really well for fantasy as of late, especially Antonio Gibson, who's kind of taken on a, a dip, bigger role in this offense, especially with the routes. Um, you just got to hope that this isn't a, a Steelers matchup where we thought the line was too much. And all of a sudden, A.J. Brown goes out and scores three touchdowns and the Eagles are the Eagles. Um, I'm with you. I, I definitely lean towards the under, which has kind of been the par for the course this year. And I think this could be another one of those just underscoring game where teams just they know each other. You play each other twice a year. You just know all the stuff about these teams. Um, I guess we're going to keep on this exact same theme. Are there any uh, any props you kind of like tonight? Yeah, I was really hunting for value here and just kind of hunting the usage for how guys have been performing over the last couple of weeks. The only ones I could really come up with, Miles Sanders, anytime touchdown, minus 120 for the week. I still think we can get some value out of that. He's been the guy. Look at their last matchup between these two teams. Didn't have a great rushing game, but he did get into the end zone, and I think we're going to see a similar game script uh, from Philadelphia. It's 24 to 8 last time we we saw these two two teams match up. I think it's going to be that same type of storyline. I'm not that confident in the points, obviously, but I do think Sanders gets the goal line touches, which is what we care about. And I'm also looking at Devontae Smith. He had a season breakout last time these two teams played. 169 yards, super nice performance, got into the end zone. I think at plus 175, uh, this could be a really nice opportunity to get some value. It's not a long shot uh, at 175. Like I like Quest Watkins being at plus 600, so I'd much rather take that. But I'm going to stay away from that one just because that's really one throw for the entire game. I think Devontae puts up another uh, really nice performance this week with William Jackson being in Pittsburgh. Yep, I think it makes a ton of sense. Uh, Cats, we kind of heard Ian's point of view. Do you have any uh, any props that you kind of like on this one you want to lean out? Yeah, I've been kind of staying away from a lot of these Monday night games. I know that if anyone's been following me, you know that I'm pretty selective when it comes to my bets in general. I'm not trying to throw out you know 15 bets out there on a single game or anything like that. I, I really like to just... See. So basically you're saying you're yeah. not a fan of just throwing away money. <laughs> yeah, pr- pretty much, yeah. I, okay, I, cool. I like to be careful. Cool. Just, just <laughs> clarifying here. Yeah, I just I like to I like to have confidence in my bets, and I just this just not that much that I usually like. Uh, this weekend actually was a light week in terms of props. I only had twelve of them. Did go nine and three plus five point three two units on the Show player off. props. Yep. And I know last week I said we had no touchdown props, or I think I maybe lost all the ones I did the last time. But back on the horse this week, we had three of them: Jamal Williams, Josh Jacobs, and Cortland Sutton. I should have known my I should have known better with Cortland Sutton, but the other two did hit, so that's two and one. Plus 1.15 units there. That puts us at 98 and 72 on the season on player props, plus 24.32 units, and 11 and 10 on the touchdown props, plus 9.7 units. Uh, I went back and forth on tonight's game, and I did settle on one prop for tonight, and that is Jahan Dotson, over 22.5 receiving yards. This is kind of similar to what I did with Dalton Schultz over the weekend, where it wasn't about the matchup, it was just about this number I feel being too low. 22.5 22.5 he can do that on one catch maybe maybe two if he needs that I, I mean this is someone I know he's a rookie and he hasn't played since week four but the commanders have been very careful with Dotson's uh injury and I don't believe that they would put him out there tonight unless he was fully healthy which which tells me that he's gonna be a full go he's gonna have his usual role and before his injury he was playing nearly every snap he was running a ton of routes and he he went over uh, 40 receiving yards in three of his four starts. Now, I know that was with Carson Wentz. And, of course, the one time that he didn't get there was against the Eagles back in week three. But he did have eight targets in that game. I think he's going to have enough chances to get over this number. And, I mean, it, it's just it's 
it's so easy for him to just get there. Maybe I'm falling into a trap, but I really like this prop tonight. So I'm taking Jahan Dotson over 22.5 receiving yards. I think the one does make sense just because I don't think they really want to always be testing Darius Lane and James Bradbury. And so if we're assuming that they're probably going to end up facing off more times than not against Michael, against uh, Terry McLaurin and against uh, Curtis Samuel, then someone like John Dotson becomes a little bit of an easier target in this matchup. So I think that that definitely does make sense. And you're really just looking for one or two opportunities where they have the right, uh, the right situation called. And they've tried to, they've tried to match that up based on their personnel kind of uh, the way the personnel is kind of shaking out. But um, we can kind of take a look at your bets and a couple of the trends here later on as we take a look at our friends over at Pickett. Are you tired of tracking all of your bets out on messy spreadsheets or don't know your ROI because you're on so many sportsbooks? Well, Pickett is the best bet tracking app on the market, and they make it quick and easy to track out all of your sportsbook accounts. You can track your bets, shop the best lines, and sweat them out with a community of avid sports fans just like yourself. Sign up today using promo code PFN365 and sync all of your favorite sportsbooks, and you can win up to $100 for free. Pickett is 100% free to join and use, so what are you waiting for? Remember, that is promo code PFN365 to track all of your bets and get up to $100 just for signing up. Looking at the trends over on Pickett, I don't think it's any surprise which way they're leaning money line-wise. 98% of the money and 95% of the volume is on Philadelphia to take this one outright. Uh, you look towards the spread, which is a big number, as Ian alluded to, sitting there at 10 and a half. 58% of the money and 61% of the volume is on the Eagles. So it's it's pretty close and both sides still favoring the Eagles for sure, but definitely not as much as the money line. And also the under is the trend as well with 70.4% of the money and 60% of the volume. So definitely the money uh, and the sharps are kind of leaning on taking the under, which I think is what, what you were leaning to as well, Ian. I know we looked at some of the prop bets as well. I saw Dallas Goddard. His receiving yards was listed on there, so we'll kind of talk to you here in just a second. I know Miles Sanders' rushing yards was listed on there as well, so I think it's it's there's not a ton of props. I think we're kind of seeing the exact same thing you guys have both been talking about this entire time. There's not a ton. A lot of people are out there looking at, uh, but there's a couple that everyone also seemed to be in on. I think that's a that's a good sign when everyone's kind of moving in the right direction. It means either we're all going to be right or we're living in a simulation and sports betting is run by the mafia. One of the two. We'll figure that one out here tonight. Uh, but just in case you guys don't want to worry about, I want to talk to you also about the easiest and most fun way to spice up your football season. It is underdog fantasy and their picking game. Just look for your favorite or least favorite player stats and pick whether they'll end up with a higher or lower total than that number in this week's game. And you went up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy to use website and mobile apps. Pick between two and five players for your pick and entry. Get all your picks right, and you can take home some cold, hard cash. It is simple to get started. Just head to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up with promo code PFN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Remember, that is Underdog Fantasy promo code PFN, where you can get in on the action today. Cats, I know you kind of talked about Jahan Dotson and his 22.5 receiving yards. Uh, but I want to see if you also have any underdog plays as well to help people out with their with their fantasy team. So what kind of pickums are you looking at for us tonight on Monday Night Football? Yeah, we, we mentioned Jahan Dotson higher than his 22.5 receiving yards, so I won't double down on talking about that. So we'll get over to the other two that I have. I also like Curtis Samuel higher than 46.5 receiving yards. And what's funny is initially I was going to fade Curtis Samuel, but uh, Avante Maddox is not going to play, or at least most likely. And as a result, the matchup gets a whole lot easier. With Jahan Dotson set to return, that does definitely impact Samuel's target share. But Samuel's just been solid all season long. 
He In week three, he caught seven of 10 targets for 48 yards, which would be higher than 46.5. And he's surpassed this number in seven of nine games. I'm kind of banking on the negative game strip that I expect the commanders to face, much like they did the last time these team played. And I think perhaps Heineke can have a little more success than Carson Wentz did, and he can get Samuel to about 50 to 60 receiving yards. And the other one that I like is Jalen Hurts, lower than 290.5 total yards. And this is another one where I debated just taking Hurts lower than his passing yardage number, which is at 245.5. But I elected to go with his total yards instead because I just feel like he's not been rushing as much lately. The commanders allow 217.4 passing yards per game, and they allow just 14.8 rushing yards per game to quarterbacks. Now, I know that looking at quarterback rushing uh, yards allowed is very much dependent upon what quarterbacks they face, but the commanders have faced Justin Fields and Hurts himself. So maybe there is something to them containing quarterbacks. As uh, as heavy favorites in this game, the Eagles should be able to control it, which would lead to possibly more running, particularly in the second half. So I think that Hurts, uh, he may seem more likely to go higher than his number because he had 340 passing yards last time his team's met, but I just think that's kind of too easy. It feels like a trap. So we're going lower than 290.5 total yards, and those are our three underdog picks for tonight. Yeah, that makes sense. In a game where we're expecting the Eagles to – to not have to sweat too much, I don't think we're going to also expect for Jalen Hurts to have to go out there and ball out. Like they can probably just get by running a, a traditional game plan. I think we're talking about Miles Sanders with what his upside could bring. That makes sense. Why you want to add the rushing yards into to Jalen Hurts' projection, taking the lower on his total rather than just the passing. Give yourself a little bit of a buffer. And I know you've got a couple here as well over on Underdog. So what do you have for us also? Yeah, just kind of adding to that, I really like Taylor Heineke higher than 15 and a half rushing yards. He's been a threat looking at the Philadelphia defense. They've been a little bit vulnerable this season on letting the quarterbacks get outside of the pocket and get upfield a little bit. Um, 15 and a half, it's a pretty modest amount, right? Like we're not looking at anything here that's going to be too groundbreaking. Can I see this being fourth quarter? Let's say worst case, it's a blowout. Can I see Taylor Heineke drop back and just scramble a couple of times, hit that to get that higher number? Absolutely. So I like that one, and I like the the Miles Sanders. Of course, I touched on this earlier. I think he's going to get an anytime touchdown. The fact that we're giving uh, higher than .5 rushing touchdowns, I'm actually pretty surprised. We usually don't get that type of line on underdog for player props. So I'm going to go ahead and take the higher on that one as well. And I do just want to echo Cat's picks too. I really, really like the Samuel and Dotson picks as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like those as well. I think I want to throw my hat into the ring on this one, too. And mention a name that was someone actually mentioned on Friday uh, doing one of our uh, one of the PFN TikToks. And it's actually on Dallas Goddard um, taking the higher 51.5 receiving yards. That's moved up actually now to 54 or 55.5, I believe. But that's not necessarily in a window where I would be fading it. I'm still okay with that. Dallas Goddard's been incredible so far this year, coming off of a career high uh, 100 yards and two touchdowns uh, last week, which was his fourth game over 100 receiving yards. He also had a touchdown catch and back in their week three meeting. Um, I do like Dallas Goddard to go higher than 51.5. Love his other picks. So I think you can wrap all those things together and come out here with a, with a pretty decent Monday night winnings as we head to here into week 11. But that's going to wrap up today's episode of Run the Table podcast powered by Pro Football Network. If you enjoyed today's episode of the show, feel free to leave a rating and a review, whether it's on iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Google, or wherever you enjoy your favorite podcast at. Continue to stay up to date with all the latest news around the league by heading over to profootballnetwork.com, where you can find analysis covering not only fantasy football and betting, but breaking news around the league, college football, and the NFL draft. And get involved with the PFN community. 
the PFM Pass gets you direct access to the Discord and unlocks exclusive content from PFM Productions, weekly giveaways, and weekly AMAs with the PFM staff, including lineup and waiver wire advice, a Sunday morning start set, plus even more betting coverage during the week to help you fill up that bankroll. And it's never too early to start your mock drafts for the 2023 season by using the PFN MDS, which you can find over at ProFootballNetwork.com forward slash mock draft. You can follow Jason Katz over on Twitter at JasonKatz13 and in at NFL Film Study, plus myself at Tommy Garrett PFN. Speaking for Jason and Ian, good luck tonight, and we'll see you guys on Wednesday for another episode of the show.